The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Once again, Sue Rose Minahan on Talk Cosmos, and today is September 15th, 2018, and it'll be our last week that we're focused on Virgo, that archetype that's the sixth house, just the last house below the horizon. In fact, we've had three other talks last week. We were focused on a Virgan idea of healing the body and fractures. The Fractured Between Body and Mind with John Talevich from Sierra Madre. And September 1st, we worked on the idea of discernment, filtration, extraction, assimilation with Sarah Stromley, a cranial sacral therapist and astrologer here in Seattle, and initiating Virgo. And this gives a dimension of what archetypes are. There's these facets. They all have a thread, but... There is, after a while, various focuses, and that was pets and how they give service daily of unconditional love, and that was with Marilyn Milano, who actually hosts her own radio show on 1150 KKNW, based out of Seattle, Washington, such as this show, which can always be listened if you're not in Seattle, online, they have a listen button, or their handy-dandy app. K-K-N-W-A-M, because it's an AM radio station. So Virgo also involves our analytical mental capacities, and it's mental because Mercury rules it, and the emphasis is finding that practicality. Virgo is an earth sign, wants to be practical. However, it is flexible. It's a mutable sign. And in the best nature, I might consider that's because Mutability helps us to serve. Service is such a big feature of Virgo, and it remains a function. Finding that alignment that between that perfect self of ours that Virgo is working to achieve, connected with that higher consciousness of the collective source of looking at the polarity, which is Pisces, because really essentially of the 12 zodiac signs, there's essentially six Axis as it involves the dimension of the opposite sign. So, in this process of analyst or analysis, I might say, saying it correctly, critiquing myself, which is exactly what it does, it critiques the imperfections of anything, a word, self, etc., and why, so that we can be efficient. Because if something is efficient, it, it operates. And that serves, again, the entire part. And we are really preparing for that next leap, which will be next week into Libra. But Virgo works on that, too. So these archives can be listened on the past episode link, which is through Talk Cosmos, if you Google that. But today's discussion involves asking the possibility of what seeds do we grow? Because one area we have not really covered at huge length is 
uh, plants, the very fact of, of that it is um, fertility, There's along with other signs, but it, it's not just fertility. In fact, my wonderful guest today will talk a great deal about plants and our full harvest and how we nourish those seeds because today's topic is botanical alchemy seed harvest. And Petra Tauschert has spoken on this program before early in Taurus. And Petra is a consulting astrologer, a master gardener, horticulturist, and herbalist. She teaches botanical illustration at Occidental California, at Occidental, I might say, California. And she's also hosting a wonderful, relatively new radio station that's every month, well, it's every even Monday on the station KOWS, which is an FM station, unlike AM, which most people realize is both. And the name of that show is Astroscape. It's an astrological musicology show sounds like so much fun. It involves the astral weather, explores music made by artists born under the current astrological configuration. So it once again is showing this, well, in my terms, you know, archetypal uh, expression. And it's so important to really get an understanding of all this. Well, Petra also has them archived, and you can find that through the SoundCloud Astroscape. Petra also writes a full and new moon Newsletter on her site, Petra Tauschert, astrology.com. Hello, hello, hello again, Petra. Hi, Sue. Can you hear me? Oh, I can. Beautifully. Oh, no, Yay. there's no echo. <laughs> We're right <laughs> Sorted to Sorted that out. Yes, yes, you did. Well, you have many hats. And again, with I was looking forward to this talk a great deal. The fact of I've seen so many beautiful pictures of your garden and the garden and the seeds all strongly relate to the entire mythology of Ceres and who lost her daughter Persephone and there was no growth on the planet. And so ultimately it's that area wherever she sits in our horoscope where we nourish ourselves. And, um, but plants, I would... I, um, Let's see if I should ask you a question or perhaps just let you lead on. You have fertile mind, I know, in regards to how plants really help us heal in in every dimension. Well, thinking of Virgo as an earth sign and looking at the whole wheel of the year and looking at the other two earth signs with Capricorn, we're deep in the roots. It's the wintertime in the northern hemisphere. And everything is sleeping, but there's a lot going on underneath the ground. And then we move a third of the year to Taurus. And that's when the spring begins again in the Northern Hemisphere. And there's so much, you know, the Aries is when everything bursts. But Taurus is when we start to nourish and nurture the seeds that we're planting. And without that, you know, super focused, fertile care of Taurus, we wouldn't get very far. Anybody who's ever done any gardening, any seed starting knows that there are no guarantees. Just because your little seed cracks its shell doesn't mean you're going to go the distance. True. So we can thank Taurus for that. 
And then we move along, and just before Virgo, we have Leo, which is like the rising up of the harvest, like the prominence of all the creativity coming into being and that celebration. And then we have Virgo, which is like, okay, like it's time to think about the party's over. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on the winter. Winter is coming. Virgos would be Starks in the Game of Thrones mythology. <laughs> so with Virgo, there's still a lot of, you know, the oldest associations for Virgo were fruitfulness and fertility. And the earliest names for Virgo meant both furrow and vulva, implying that, you know, Virgo's the great cosmic goddess. She is the original earth goddess. So by growing things, that's there's a whole like fertile, carnal, sexual, productive, reproductive exchange that's happening. And with Virgo, we end up with harvesting the seeds ultimately. And it's such an important job because, again, like with Taurus, if you drop the ball, the same with Virgo. Virgo's in charge of really evaluating what what is the very best seed, and we must save that to plant again when the wheel turns and we come around to springtime again. But we also need to eat. Like, we've grown this food to sustain ourselves through the rest of the year. So that's a very serious decision. And there's so much emphasis placed on Virgo's, like, anal uptightness around things being perfect. And if you go back far enough, that's where it comes from. It's a very serious life or death matter that Virgo is entrusted with of that evaluation. And um, Virgo's associated with the Demeter and Persephone myth. So we have both the mother and the daughter. You have the harvest and the seed. And that's the base of the mysteries of life. And then, you know, I know you've already talked a lot about Virgo, but I just wanted to put a couple of... we can always... It always incorporates. And also, I might just state that Ceres and Demetra for the audience. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because Demetra is the... the Roman. I, the Roman yes, version, and yeah. then Ceres is the Greek, so... Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, and, and Virgo is an archetype that encompasses both virginity and sexuality. And if you go back to the original meaning of the word virgin, it wasn't somebody who was celibate, who didn't no. have sex. That's it right. was a woman who belonged to no man and who was really rooted in herself. And she could choose to engage in relationships and sex, but she remained sovereign. Yeah, she was, never was property. Yeah, which is, you know, like these days, we are lucky enough to take that sort of thing for granted, but that has not been the case through history. So, you know, there was a time where Virgo was held a really significant and unique role in what women, what women were up to. Well, there is. And with Vesta, the hearth, also, Mm -hmm. I think a Virgonian um, goddess. And so it, it is getting to those, um, I want to say roots, but I love the way that you say it was rooted, but really to the fundamental concept of, um, of, of Virgo as etymology, vir, uh, virgin meant differently. You know, it wasn't yeah. the sexuality that we've, although sexuality and, and, and fertility are hand in hand in some ways. So we've really looked at so. that liberally. And, and it connects and reconnects and, you know, in different dimensions all through the Zodiac. Well, actually, on that Vestal Virgin note, I wanted to read a passage from a really great book called The Knot of Time by Lindsay River and Sally Gillespie. I've always loved this book. It seems that even the famous Vestal Virgins of Rome, set apart <clears throat> to tend the sacred fires of Vesta, were not originally celibate. 
It was in the last years of the age of Aries, however, up to the first century BCE, that an apparently new concept of virgin sanctity was developing. Sacred celibacy rather than sacred sexuality became the official religious view in most cultures. In the Christian world, the Virgin Mary became the pattern for all women, whether nuns or mothers. But within this ideal of sexual abstinence, the ancient idea of the Virgin Goddess lived on. The Virgin Mary became the Queen of Heaven, inheritor of the symbols and titles of the goddesses she supplanted. Sometimes the goddess religion continued underground. In France, churches and cathedrals were built in formation with each other so that their placement on a map marked out the constellation of Virgo, a tribute to the Virgin Mother. The Virgo chapels, churches, and cathedrals were centers for many cults and long-standing religious traditions. The Romani people visited them to worship Sarakali, the Black Virgin, and source of the spring of life that flows over the gypsy race. So, you know, that just kind of denotes the sea change that happened at some point. But Virgo still, to this day, I mean, archetypes are massive. They contain the living energy of life that's imprinted through humans living, you know, Absolutely. across millennia. You know, the Greeks, and it, about that time, I think it was the age of, I'm just trying to remember all the ages as they are, because the ages here are like 2,000 years we're just passing. Pisces right. going into Aquarius at some point. But really, with the Greeks, again and again, whether it's Edith Hamilton, who, who writes a lot about mythology, or uh, various people that speak of mythology, Lynn Bell, for one, and I just heard Tarnas today here in Seattle at um, Washington Astrology, St Washington State Astrology Association, because he's going to have, he wrote the book Psyche and Cosmos, Cos yes, Cosmos and Psyche. Is it Psyche and Cosmos? That's it. Psyche Cosmos and, Cos and Psyche, yeah. I believe. Okay. <laughs> Thank it you. contains both of them. That's yes, in the yes. Book. and very related. And then there's going to be the movie Changing of the Gods, which he explained will not be an hour and a half. It'll be ten, a series of ten uh, episodes. Maybe. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, it really is. It's, I can hardly wait. It's like a banner for astrology and, and just the whole archetypal thinking. So back to this is, is that the split that you're referring to really was this consciousness where Greece came during that period, wanted to remove uh, themselves from nature in this effort of civil civilness. And so we have, you know, the more I think about it, it well, and it, others have spoken, you know, there's this uh, split essentially between the, you know, representing like in Mary, who didn't have a husband, as far as some religions go along with, and different concepts of, of different ways of interpreting this spiritually based uh, essence that people are always trying to connect with on some terms. But this, but it's very true here. In other words, the virgins is a great example where instead of, as you well put, between sacred celibacy or sacred sexuality, which, of course, involves the body. And if we split ourselves from body-mind, which is Virgo, from spirit, which is opposite Pisces, then there's this dilemma. Well, and it's this 
like you said, we're closing up the age of Pisces and because they move backwards, we're moving towards the age of Aquarius, but we've been in the age of Pisces for about 2000 years. And that is the dominant monotheistic story of that heaven is elsewhere. It's, it's, it's away from this earth and this earth represents sin and represents trouble. So you just best transcend this, which extends itself into who cares what happens here. The environment's not that important because the afterlife is out there. Mm So that is something that needs to be healed still, you know, because God's everywhere. God's in everything. Absolutely. It's it's that ethos that is manifested, you know, and they're learning with quantum physics, with vibrational, mathematical energy that's beginning to blend science to astrology again, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah many focuses so well in a, uh-huh, go ahead go ahead well i was going to say in a garden or unless you had another thought i'm no, so no, go ahead yeah so focused on your garden and mm-hmm. not just the garden but the garden represents there's so many plants and they represent so many wonderful uh medicinal features in fact i was looking up the properties of anemone Mm-hmm. which actually relates to a story about Venus, which I may do for Libra next time. But I was astounded that the flowers, okay, with federal, in other words, when people send flowers and there's this various uh, companies that send flowers, FTD is one of them, mm-hmm. they have online the descriptions of what the meanings of flowers mean. Which so means, like the old Victorian meaning of the language or of flowers. ancient, means. before Victorian, way back. Wow. It, yeah, Babylonian perhaps. Um, and so in other words, I started researching and researching and researching this whole idea. It went back to Venus and Adonis and, and mm-hmm. uh, stories. And I thought, isn't that fascinating that flowers are a messenger, you might say, of this ancient mythology and ancient thought yeah and it's so amazing that we can continue to grow like if you're growing heirloom species that means specifically that you're growing something that has been handed down lovingly and protected and kept intact it hasn't been genetically modified or you know there's there's natural hybridization that takes place like that's one of the ways that we get new plants is identifying something it's called a sport if you look at a plant and all of a sudden it's doing something strange or you grow a bunch of plants from seed and there's some that have different patterns you isolate those out and that's how we do the natural hybridization versus it's one of the ways versus this whole genetic modified genetically modified monstrosity concept that we're dealing with you know at this point But yes, I mean, a a garden in essence is so Virgo because, you know, Pisces is nature. Pisces is everything. It's just everything growing together. But if you start to take all the pieces apart, which is what Virgo's job is in the world, you know, to like isolate each thing and figure out like how they work together and make a whole system, that's incredibly Virgo. And, and also Virgo, I mean, I have four planets in Virgo and I'm a pretty dyed in the wool (laughs) gardener. Like it's, it's always just been something I've oriented towards. And when you think about Virgo, partly in terms of, um, well, again, if you look at the Pisces polarity where we have the archetype of untouched nature, and then we have a Virgo whose job is to meet God and nature halfway. 
it's very, it makes a lot of sense that a garden would be a place to apply that. You know, it's, it's instinctive for a Virgo to insert themselves into the design of something and to be a designer, to be, and ultimately, like, if you grow a garden, you know that in the beginning you plant things and foster them and it's mm -hmm. exciting, but then by about, like, mid-season, you're a referee and an editor because if everything just grows, if it's all, like, Pisces craziness, then it's beautiful in its own way, but things don't thrive. Like, a real garden, when you really see a garden that is really thriving, you know that there is either a Virgo or somebody with a very strong Virgo archetype who's passionately driven to help maintain the balance so that all the different species get expressed and, you know, represented and protected from getting, like, flattened by something else or from the rest of nature. Like, I'm in Sonoma County and we have some serious gophers and this place was settled by the Russians back in the day and they fled because they couldn't deal with the gophers oh, and wow. Russians are tough. <laughs> oh, I'm amazed. I am amazed. I've had gophers. <laughs> I think I poured beer down there. That was one of the things. I finally put garlic down and I think that did work. Gosh, I just, it's been, um, you know, it's an ongoing work in progress. I plant everything in baskets at this point, but I've also been tending this particular garden for 13 years and baskets do rot out eventually. Oh, yes. And so if gophers suddenly yeah. explore areas they haven't been in, Neptune strikes again. <laughs> yeah. Well, plants need space. And I'm thinking about that organizational ability and the weeding and the tending, the daily, you know, just poking around. I remember in Hawaii, there, coffee can be grown and uh, at one time we looked at maybe a little plot to buy but when I looked into the care of it it's really a tender loving care you, every day you're there picking a few of the berries that, and another few of the berries and you're weeding but that's really the beauty of that existence being attached to nature functioning within it so there's well and it also really shows that Virgo self-care like it's the mm. daily tasks that make up our lives that contribute to health and indeed there are daily tasks you know a bare minimum of tasks if you just want your garden to continue to be okay and if you really want it to shine there's a lot of tasks depending on what the season is and that's so Virgo just little tasks you know for a, like to be alone most of the time in the garden with maybe a pet like a cat or a small dog and editing and caring for things, it's, it's about as Virgo as it gets. Oh, boy. Well, I'm oh yeah, we do have time. I'm, George Washington Carver would go out to the garden. I have a tiny little book about the man who spoke to flowers, and he would talk to his flowers every day. So really, there is the deva, the diva. I think we mm -hmm. were talking about that, the subtle energy such as Finhorn over there in Scotland that... Mm -hmm. um, was back in the 70s or late 60s, the yeah. garden. And this idea that that's where community begins is in the garden. Well, it's true. I mean, and every plant species does have a Davic correlate that can be communicated with if you are able to or are so inclined. And another person that I would put on that list that you just referenced is Luther Burbank, who is from where I'm from here, Sonoma County. And he was a Pisces, but he was famous for communicating with the divas of the plants and convincing them to express themselves in different ways. For example, a thornless blackberry, there's a spineless cactus, and a bunch of other things. Like he created the russet potato, he created the Santa Rosa plum, he created the Shasta daisy. So 
and in communication. And this was like back in the 1800s, earlier 1800s. And he wasn't coming from a woo woo place. I mean, he was really kind of an uptight, weird dude in a lot of ways, but he was, you know, spectacular successes were coming out of his gardens here. Things that still like the russet potato is what most of the French fries are made up in this country. Pedro, I love this. You know, I live, I, I used to work down in Burbank. I lived in Santa Paula. Oh, yeah. So it's Definitely like, yes, that name. That's really astounding that that states so much. And, you know, I think California is a Virgo state, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I've never checked. That would be fun to know. Yeah. I think the only astrology, the first astrology uh, reading I had back in when I was 20, mm-hmm. he told me that California is a Virgo state. I was born mm-hmm. down there, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense because it's, you know, very concerned with health in many ways, like more so than a lot of places in this this particular country. So it seems like it would be Virgo. Yeah. And for them to glorify, you might say, by naming such a city, I mean, whenever they named it, perhaps it wasn't quite as associated, <laughs> but still, it's like how many people would recognize, of course, he was very successful. I mean, that's... He was. Lot. He was a big deal. I just recently saw an old photo that I'd never seen before of Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera oh, visiting Luther Burbank's garden here. He was actually already dead, and he, they were visiting his uh, widow, but, you know, like, those guys came here to visit him. Amazing. <laughs> delighted by that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. We will take a little announcement break, and we will open up our station here for calls. And if anybody there, you wonderful audience, would like to call Petra or myself and ask any question, dial this number, 425-373-5527. We'll be back soon. we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Virgo. By leaving a cycle based on the creative manifested legacy of our highest creative form, the energy of Virgo completes the last sign below the horizon of the self and requires discernment to perfect oneself through the mental process of critical analysis. As a mutable earth sign duly ruled by Mercury, Virgo refines heals or fixes through daily routines, developing skills and services to control nature's chaos and maximize efficiency. This is Sarah Stromley at Brain Body Therapy, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build on the collective experience. Hi, returning again, Talk Cosmos, Sue Rose Minahan with Petra Tauscher in California, talking about Virgo and the botanical alchemy seed harvest. So if you do have a call, this is the phone number, ring 425-373-5527, and we'll be glad to take any questions or comments and add to the discussion. Yeah, Petra, you know, the medicinal qualities of plants, and you do botanical illustrations. 
So I'm interested thinking that um, people that want to learn botanical illustration, do they, is this a, there's so many uh, ways of, 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 of um, what am I trying to say, um, benefiting from such an experience. I mean, just meditating on a flower through drawing it is beautiful. So, if- yeah, to be deeply absorbed in, because I'm obviously involved with plants across the board, you know, in lots of different ways, but it's so pleasurable to spend a, a, even an hour or half a day, however long it ends up being, sinking into really looking at your specimen, you know, like you'll never see it the same way again. And that alone, I mean, it's a meditative practice. There's color therapy in it. If it's scented, it's aromatherapy. It feels like a deeply connecting and healing experience just just to draw the plant. You know, you haven't even gone any farther than that yet. And there's so much more that you could do with the plant. What a perfect assign. Well, not even an assignment, but a, 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 a activity for an earth sign also. <laughs> you know, when I think yeah. of the color and the aroma, that is so true. So in other words, they're not dried. They could be live. Yeah, we um, traditionally draw from live specimens. And, you know, depending on what you're drawing and how long your your drawing is going to take to complete, you definitely may end up drawing from pictures because it'll will. You know, sometimes you'll take a certain, like if you're drawing a penstemon, then you draw from that penstemon. You take a picture so you get the angles right, but then you keep bringing in other penstemons just to get the colors right. Mm. Interesting. That's one of the plants that we're going to put in our garden up here in Seattle because we're really trying to get drought resistance. You know, plants. I know it's Just, changing up there. It's always been like the wet, lush place, and now you guys are having to do drought resistant too. Well, that in part plus the fact water in a city, yeah. you know, yeah. costs so much, and so we. I live in a little cooperative, mm-hmm. and so we share the expenses, and that's how mm, that makes sense. Yeah, the focus there. But plants are changing, too, what with the environment, I would guess. Well, they're very adaptable. You know, I mean, an annual does its entire life cycle within one year. It starts from seed and it returns to seed. And reseeding annuals means that you have sort of a perennial experience with an annual plant. But perennials are rooted in one spot, so they're a little less mobile. But annuals, you will see them creep around places based on microclimates and you know, what's available to them based on what they need. So you can imagine that globally they're doing the same thing. Like I've heard that with climate change, there is um, like the maple trees that make maple syrup in New England, like those are creeping upwards. Yes. And that's the most interesting idea is this forward uh, migration of, of plants and particularly trees. I was reading that months ago, so I don't remember all the details, but that there is I don't know if it's a hundred monkey syndrome, but in a sense, it's communication. Of course, you were speaking of that too. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that before. Yeah, something. And then it goes really to the medicinal qualities, like mustard is so renowned for different properties, whether it's even pain, I think, topically. I'm not... Right. Well, it's like cayenne in that way. Sometimes the spicy, spicy herbs can be used topically as analgesics. But, you know, Virgo has such an inborn awareness of the mind-body connection, like more than any other sign, because it's an earth sign, thus it's in the body, but also it's a mercurial sign, so it's also very mental and cerebral. 
And that concept of food as medicine, you know, like what we're eating is our very first line of sending us in balance or sending us further out of balance. And for Virgo, it's so natural to become an herbalist or something along those lines. Like I've worked in different alternative medicine realms for my entire adult life. And the amount of Virgos always is like comical. <laughs> it's true. I have Virgo rising and I've worked in a, excuse me, a health store for years. And I loved it. You know, I learned so much about the salts, you know, the, the um, homeopathic salts and Et cetera, et cetera, all these concepts. Well, Virgo likes to be, um, you know, in terms of foods, nutrition, and diet, they like to be more educators. Like they want to empower people on these topics, how to how to care for themselves rather than being the doctor god. I think there's other archetypes that are more like I'll save you, and Virgo's just like, here, learn this. Like when I studied Ayurveda one of the things that was really incredible and the most empowering thing I've ever learned in alternative medicine, which should just be called medicine. The other kind of medicine should be called alternative medicine, but yeah. that's where we are. Um, is that, Oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I think? Ayurveda. Oh, that on, there's a, there's a cross, there's a hot, cold, wet, dry cross and everybody has a unique constitution and you're going to be somewhere on that constitutional cross. And so if you run hot and wet, you're going to want things that are cold and dry, whether it's food or drink or herbs or even, I mean, everything lands somewhere, whether it's thoughts, a movie you're going to read, a book you're going to watch, a color you're going to paint your wall, you know, everything's there. So that's this incredibly empowering way to look at life and understand that you can make decisions that will heal yourself in small ways and in big ways. Very strong. That, that really is the personal action. The universe loves action. In other words, making a choice, getting off the fence or just stepping up. And that, that's a beautiful, uh, good reminder. Because Virgo is the small step. It's every day. It's a daily routine. So in that case, it does make things bite-sized. You, know, you don't have to. Exactly. Do it. it does. You know, and, and ethnobotany is a field that, analyzes, examines, celebrates um, the intersection between plants and people, which is massive. I mean, we'd be, we would be naked, we would have no food, we would have no shelter, like we would have no medicine, like we really need plants. Like the fact that people can even be disconnected from plants in theory is kind of remarkable because the reality is that nobody's disconnected from plants. But um, ethnobotany is studying that. So that's, you know, that's where the medicine is. Like the places where you bring medicine in, in the widest sense of the word, you know. So herbalism and flower essences and naturopathy and, you know, any, any of those things, any way that you're applying herbs to the body and healing, body and spirit, that's, that's all the domain of Virgo. It's such a building block that really mainstream in many ways, thankfully, you know, what with uh, the 60s and the Uranus, Pluto square in Virgo really right. helped to emphasize that so many uh, ideas are now organic. Of course, when you think about it, everything originally was organic, but then we went through that tremendous insecticide and trying to yeah, et cetera, 
which we haven't really recovered from. And I would underscore no. that California trying to be more of a Virgo by trend setting certain ways, you know, of getting away from that. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's another split between mind and body is like this conceptual, like, Oh, we must control nature and like kill the bugs. It's like, but wait, we're killing our gut. You know, well, we're killing ourselves. We're killing everything. California. Nathan found out Nathan is our board uh, engineer here that mm-hmm. is in the background, always keeping us uh, happily on air. And he looked it up, and California is a Virgo state and Scorpio moon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Virgo sun, Scorpio rising. I guess I'm perfectly placed here. Yeah, I was thinking (laughs) that. You are indeed. Yeah. So there is that. Hopefully, then, California does have that magnificent sense of really looking at where the power and the powerlessness is. Of course, we're jumping into another archetype. They all overlap. But they do, especially, I think, as they begin to develop they begin to interlock more substantially. Well, in so. Virgo and Scorpio, too, both have that purification orientation, mm-hmm. heal, deep healing and purification. So it's 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 a good overlap. Yeah, represented by intestine, large and small. <laughs> Nothing else. You know, right. det- exactly. <laughs> Detoxification. <laughs> you know, another reason that ver- uh, gardening is so good for Virgos is if we look at the axis of Virgo and Pisces again, is that Virgo can get a little too clean, a little too mm-hmm. sterile, a little too perfect and organized. And that's, you know, there's danger of life being extinguished through too severe of that sort of orientation. So we turn to the polarity point of Pisces and remember that Virgo needs dirt. Virgo needs to get dirty. It needs a little chaos, it needs a little dirt under the nails. And and also that, you know, the Japanese concept of wabi-sabi, where you can't make, like, don't make something too perfect. You want there to be a little bit of craziness, a little bit of chaos, a little bit of something that wasn't perfect, because that's how life is. And so that's, you know, that's a big piece for Virgo to embrace. So I feel like there's the Virgos that don't go outside that are afraid of dirt because they're so, you know, so in the cleaning mode. So it's like, Virgos, get out there, get into the dirt. Excellent point. There's been a huge uh, increase in allergies for the last, what, 20 years? Yeah. And sure. it's in part because of people being removed from, just as you say, the um, soil. And, because mm-hmm. other, and then they don't have those antibiotics or they don't have, well, I don't know if the antibiotics or the, just the natural resistance that you build up because mm-hmm. you have to. You have to build some strength up to fight it. Otherwise, they overpower Right. I mean, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s and like we were eating dirt, you know, I mean, it's I think it was a good idea, like not too much, not all the time. But I think that there's just, you know, we need to return to that. Not, you know, everyone get out there, eat dirt, but just that sense of being connected. Like I know sometimes when women are pregnant, they'll get those really intense cravings that tells them exactly what they need for their baby. And women will crave like clay and dirt and rocks like they'll want to eat that. (laughs) Amazing. Well, you know, well, that does remind me of a time that, that were these people, they did mud, uh, well, mud baths, you might say. But anyway, yes, mud, actually, mud is very medicinal. You know, it's, Yeah, mud it is very medicinal. Amazing properties. Mm-hmm. You know, another archetype that really works with Virgo is the, the medieval alchemist. There's two, actually, the medieval alchemist and like the Benedictine monk. And like the alchemists were dedicated to 
constantly trying to refine gold from lead. You know, that was like oh, their yes. main focus and all the steps that you would go through. And ultimately, if you study alchemy at all, you understand that it's, you know, it was literally that, but it was also this metaphorical transformation of the soul. Yes. And so Virgos are always, the Virgo archetype is promoting, always trying to just improve and better things all the time. And Mercury, Hermes, I mean, Mercury is the Roman and Hermes, the Greek, and mm -hmm. that archetype has, from ancients, before it was Mesopotamia, very strong, not known as Hermes at that time necessarily. It was Ningish Zida, which was a, an energy, a god energy at that time. But still, it is that uh, transformational um, alchemy of going between the, uh, crossing the boundaries. You know, Mercury went, had, was of the twins and, right. you know, rules Gemini also so that it mm -hmm. could go between, which is, again, life and death. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. that manifestation of the physical and, it's, and coming from the spiritual is the interchange, the, the unity course Virgo rather than gathering like one of the features of Gemini but it's discernment and uh, organizing such as we were describing in the garden right and distillation yes and you know to take like I think a lot about that Virgo Gemini mercurial thing because Gemini is in charge of, yeah, like orienting self and learning the names and gathering, like you can't get enough information if you're in the Gemini mode. Mm -hmm. But when you get to Virgo, it's like, okay, now let's organize it so we can actually reference it and use it. Yes. Make a pattern or lead on to other, make it efficient too. So mm -hmm, that it has mm -hmm. a, a usage. It's that earth sign you want to be able to collect. Make it, it. practical, mm -hmm. the distilled practicality. And I really like the idea that Virgo is mutable because mm -hmm. as an earth sign, which, you know, like beautiful dirt that just crumbles, you know, it's so mm -hmm. things can grow in it and water can pass through it. And it's a wonderful ability. But meta, uh, metaphorically, it also allows a person to make an idea that has form to it, but alter it. If it doesn't work, perfect mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. It's true. I sometimes think of Virgo as sand, too. Yeah. Because of the mutability of sand, where it's, you know, you can have these incredible dunes, but then the wind comes, and it's like, woo, changing, changing. No, that's an interesting image, because then it throws me over to Pisces, because I'm thinking of those little, like in uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, the little hourglass that goes upside down, and oh, yeah. so much time. But that was one form of a clock, and... I don't know if it relates exactly to Pisces of no time, but it's sort of. Yeah, a... no, it's true. It's true. Well, kind of in a way, it's more the Gemini Neptune, the, the Gemini Pisces, because Pisces or Gemini is locating itself in a specific time and space. And then Neptune is the no time, no space. Everything is yes. all the same. So so the mercurial umbrella for Virgo and Gemini meeting Neptune and Pisces. And the chart today this is for Seattle or Bellevue, and of course your chart would be perhaps down there in California because you're north of San Francisco or west yep. or I, east. I'm, a, I'm an hour and a half north of San Francisco, pretty much on the coast. Ooh, sounds lovely. It is. <laughs> yes. Um, but so Mercury is conjunct 
seven seven degrees to mm-hmm. the sun in Virgo, so it's definitely very analytical and thinking. Of course, this Mercury stays predominantly pretty, can easily be close to the sun, but True. it's it's nicely conjunct because mm-hmm. there's without the combustion combustion i trying to remember how many degrees that is about four or five i think mine's combust but well and you think about that the sun with mercury and virgo as we're you know we're heading on towards libra time which means we're really descending into autumn when we get to the end of virgo it is the equinox pass and that mind with you know virgo needs to work all the time it's always got to be working on something so mind and body fused right there with the Virgo perception of, okay, we're going towards winter. And even if we're not, you know, living as our ancestors did, there still is that sense of like, Oh, winter's coming. What do I need to do to prepare for that? So I feel that in this chart a lot. The harvest. Yes. That it is a very busy activity. And I'm thinking again, back to Mercury that, that has the fleeting feet that travel. And it is still in opposition. Well, sort of a wide opposite. No, it's absolute well, Mercury. Mercury's pretty there still. The sun's moving on, but Mercury's there. Yeah, op- opposing Neptune. Yep. In its own sign. Right, which is right on the ascendant for me, which is why I lost my track train of thought in the ah. middle of a sentence because I'm having a Neptune transit. <laughs> well, I am. Na- my, it's transiting my sun and Mercury. Has been for a year. It is this year, and it will next year. I'm. It's quite a transit. It's it, definitely magical, and it's definitely spacey. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so you have to refocus to other uh, daily activities, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, gardening is beautiful. Uh, I'm thinking of the Virgonian attributes that connect one with nature because it, it does allow for that meditative quality, such as you were bringing out with the, the painting. Well, it's funny. Virgo's like, you know, it's the combination because... I'll put many a long day in the garden, like all day long. And then at the very end, not only am I relaxing, I've tired myself out, which Virgo needs to do to not have the mind race so much. And then there's a meditative state that's entered. So it encompasses everything. It allows the doing and then it allows the reflection. Medicinally, are there favorite? Well, aloe. I love aloe. Aloe aloe is fabulous for taking care of burns. Mm-hmm. And internally, too, it's something yes. that cools heat in the body so you can drink it. You can put it on burns externally and you can drink it regularly if you run hot. Yeah. Trader Joe's sells a wonderful gallon. Or half gallon. They do. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I buy that regular. Attitude. Yeah, I do, too, for like a decade. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's so many plants that. Well, there's like echinacea. And although I don't know if people really use I mean, if you grow echinacea to, you have to be fairly educated, I think, to know how to use. Well, actually, I am growing echinacea. And it's funny because it's a very potent herb, but it's also something that has really entered commercial nurseries as an ornamental because they've um, hybridized it a lot. There's lots of different versions and colors of echinacea now. So you could find it in somebody's garden and they wouldn't necessarily know that it's the the same thing as the herb because they'll just call it coneflower. Oh, that reminds me back to when I was looking up the flower meanings and myrrh because of the wise men with, franken- with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I was wondering, what does myrrh mean? And that uh, gets very involved with a long 
mythology that I won't go into, but it is interesting that of those three iconic gifts that are brought up so often for many people, what they represent. And right. Well, and frankincense and myrrh are um, tree resins. Yes, the plants. Yeah, such a, like the blood of the trees, really. Yeah, and myrrh really related to this story where it was uh, about love, um, forsaken oh. love, or, or in other words, to mm-hmm. love now, at least it leave you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a take-home message from myrrh, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myrrh, more. <laughs> myrrh, more. Instead of more. Love, more, yeah. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that. Yeah, the astrology of cities and states, it's a fascinating thing. I don't know which other states are Virgo. California is, which one doesn't always think about because of Hollywood, which is so predominant. But there is that emphasis of of food, back to the food basket with the nourishment of of, um, the, the harvest. Well, I mean, even when you think about Hollywood, like if you're a famous person, you probably work pretty hard to look good all the time. And health and beauty are the same thing. So you are going to look a lot better if you're healthy. So even that ties in with Hollywood and Virgo. That's true. And being fit. Yeah, exactly. Virgo is very. And it's a little bit the Virgo Pisces axis because of the glamour of of Hollywood and all of that. So it fits. Okay. Yes, it does fit. That's right. (laughs) Mm hmm. Well, with this chart, going back to, the, I'm staring at it here, and, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. I have pulled it up, too. Yeah, and, of course, it's a very mutable T-square, isn't it, with the moon. The moon's in Sag. Here we are mm-hmm. expounding on belief systems and yeah. looking at them with nature. I mean, it's a beautiful day to be talking about this. We meet, yeah, it is. So for folks there, it's like, here, I have it in the 10th house. Is it near the Midheaven? Is it near the Midheaven down in? California? Yeah, it's just a little shy. The Midheaven's 19 Sag and the moon is like six degrees before it. So, of course, food relates to the moon with the cycles, and that was the original calendar, really, Mm -hmm. for people. True. And with the thinking possibilities. And interestingly, two of those signs are in their own sign because Neptune is in Pisces, which will be for another 14... Let's see. It's it's in a sign for fourteen years, so it'll it'll be... it's going to be in Nept in Pisces until twenty twenty four. Okay, so that's eight, another six years. That's a while. <laughs> it is. I'm rather glad <laughs> myself. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's we'll finally yeah, get I the like message. Yeah, I And uh, which goes back to your radio station, which is a wonderful blend of the information and also the music. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm having fun. I mean, it just kind of morphed into that. It didn't start that way. I I did my first one and I put a couple of songs in and then I realized I really liked picking the songs. And so the next one I was like, hmm, maybe I'll like follow this inspiration. So I have and it's it's continuing to evolve, but I'm enjoying myself with it. Yeah, because life really for astrologers, we can get caught up in our interpretations and how does it relate? But I'm realizing more and more with this show and the music. That's why I'm drawing this back in. But mm-hmm. what with like last week, John Talevich, a chiropractic doctor and artist, 
you know, so much of his healing work um, and the cranial sacral therapist, Sarah Stromley. In fact, every Vergonian uh, guest has strongly in their, uh, described uh, or expressed, we might say, in their work the, the archetype of Virgo you know, with Marilyn Milano as a uh, pet. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. who operates and with rescues and so many aspects of pets and yourself with these with the garden and horticulture and so in other words life is this the hermetic philosophy of as above as above so below there's various ways of, of saying that but but that's a very succinct way that we can thank hermes yes. who is mercury who rules virgo <laughs> yes and so all these expressions, such as your show, too, with the music, and as you know, we have with all our conversations, just keeps illustrating that, that astrology is reflecting that energy as above that we gather from this, this miraculous energies that helps guide, um, if we, through our free will, choose to. And the music is a great illustration of that, that well, one of the things that I, I, I make something called Astro Books when I, I do people's charts and I like to illustrate them. I do it with my blogs, too, because I realize that although it seems like most people are curious about what astrology has to offer them, not everybody has an ability and interest and aptitude for the language. And so I like to give visuals, heavy visuals, to try and convey the feeling of the astro signature. And so that's why I got excited about the music, because it's another way to bridge from just the mind and the words and the concepts into something that you can experience. Richard Tarnas today was again and again illustrating to listen to great music, read great literature, watch movies, and then look into the astrology of who wrote it or who mm-hmm. uh, acted it. And so often in the movies, how the people, uh, which is research, which is back to the Virgo, you know, investigating mm-hmm. and getting information, yeah. and, and really clarifies the many uh, interrelated uh, uh, people that would write a story and then the actors like for instance there's one with clint eastwood in million dollar baby that is about venus and um saturn well i guess this has been a wonderful talk petra i most am thrilled next week we'll sign off with petra in just a moment but next week we have sarah not sarah strongly that was last week wendy wyrot And Wendy has been on in June, and we're going to talk about the equinox and enter with Libra and mythology. She travels extensively to these wonderful sites and has followed it. And Petra Tauschert, do listen to Astroscape on Mondays even. And what time is that, Petra? I'll let you sign off. It's from 11 to noon, 11 a.m. to noon on the even Mondays of each month, and but you can listen to it on in archive form because it's kind of a time that a lot of people aren't available to listen. So that's soundcloud.com backslash astroscape. Otherwise, it's K-O-W-S. Well, thank you to our wonderful audience. And we are so thrilled to connect. And we'll be back again next week. 
<laughs> I would love to close with this poem from Virgo poet Mary Oliver, who was born on September 10th, 1935. My love, my work is loving the world. Here are the sunflowers, there the hummingbird, equal seekers of sweetness. Here are the quickening yeast, there are the blue plums, here are the clam deep in the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. The Phoebe, the Delphinium, the sheep in the pasture, and the pasture itself, which is mostly rejoicing since all ingredients are here. Yes. All right. See you again. Thank you so much, Sue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.